morning, church. So good to see you. Please look for a good seat. Don't just pick any seat. Pick a really good one. Oh, hold that. Hold that for a bit. Yes. Yes. So anyway, um, I'm just curious if we have a little girl coming out here very soon. Oh. Okay. So anyway, how was your guys' week? Yeah? Okay, so this is what we're going to do. Little Annie's birthday is today, but she's back in the bathroom. So if she comes out in a timely fashion, we'll sing to her before church. If not, it will be ugly singing in the middle. <gasps> Annie! I hear it's your birthday, sister. Is it your birthday? How old are you? Are you four years old? All right, so I'm going to step off the mic because you know what I sing like when I sing happy birthday. And we're going to sing happy birthday to Annie loud and proud. Here we go. Happy birthday, Joyo. Happy birthday, Joyo. Awesome. You're welcome. So <clears throat> if I start coughing now, it's because of that. Sorry. When I sing really hard, it <clears throat> does something to me. Well, welcome here. We're so glad you're here. I'm so excited about the sun shining <sighs> and just to be able to gather together and worship God together and see all of your, imagine all of your smiling faces. At least I can see your eyes. Let's pray and we'll start. <sighs> Jesus, thank you for this day and thank you, Lord, for your people. Thank you, Lord, for, for each and every one of us who've gathered today to worship you and to um, come together corporately to honor you with our time and our energy and our voices. Lord, we just ask that um, you would guide us this morning, that you would speak to us, that you'd prepare our hearts for the word. Lord, you are good. Thank you so much for all that you are. Thank you so much for your goodness. Amen. You meet me on the mountain top. You see me in the valley low. Feel free to stand. There is no home without you. I find you in the crowded thoughts. 
You quiet all the question marks. There is no space your love won't fill. And I'll train all my fearful peace of mind. All my heaviness for burdens light. This will be my song. You what you start in me my heart will be an offering and I'll train all my You are always good. I 
can get distracted by all that's around us, all that's happening, so much negativity and pain and division. I just ask, Lord, that you'd help us to turn our face to you and remember that you are always good. You are always good, always, always, always even in our hearts, you are good.
particular. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to take a seat. We will begin the preaching portion, I think, or some other portion of our worship. All right, good morning. All right, am I there? Maybe, 25, testing one, two, getting up there. I could just yell, but I'll avoid doing that. Good morning. That was, uh, I don't know, it was a really, it's sometimes hard to come up and teach after there's like a really sweet time of worship then it feels like this a little bit jarring <laughs> to switch over. Um, but we're not just a people of worship, we're also a people of the word. And scripture has to be our, our primary guide and direction that we, that we have for knowing Jesus. And so I'm um, super excited because we're going to be finishing up the book of John in the next coming months, we've been on kind of this three-year journey. It almost has felt like being one of the disciples walking with Jesus over time. You know, we've taken this journey through the book of John. And so we're going to be finishing that up in the next couple months here. Um, I'm going to open up in some prayer, and then we're going to jump into the Word. Holy Spirit, would you come? Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you open up your scripture? Would you open up the word? Jesus, you, you are the word. Jesus, when you spoke once, you said that I am the word. Jesus, you are truth. In a world where sometimes truth seems relative or truth seems confusing or there's multiple truths, Jesus, we know that you alone are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through you, and that you are a reflection of the Father. And the Father glorifies you, and you glorify the Father. And in you, we find truth. And so, Lord, we thank you that on your solid rock, we can stand. When it seems like there's waves and storms and confusion, that Jesus, on your solid rock, we can stand. And I thank you for that, Lord, because I don't know where... I would be or what I would do without you, Jesus. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for being our God, and thank you for being our Savior. Amen. So this morning, the passage we're going to be reading out of is John 17. We're going to do a deep dive into verses 1 through 8. And hopefully... Ryan, for some reason my clicker's not clicking. I don't know if you can bounce over to there for me. 
It might just be me. It was working earlier, but that's okay. It's not gonna work. I'll deal with it. It could be my battery's getting low because I see it lit up. So it might be my side. Um, so Jesus, Jesus is the way. He's the way for us to follow. It's not just enough to worship God, but we're called to emulate the lifestyle of Jesus to be the people of the way. Jesus is the truth. He's literally all truth. He's the primary revelation of God's character to the world. And Jesus is the life. Through Jesus, he gives us life, both now and forevermore. So starting off in John 1 and 2. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. I read about this a little bit um, because it was interesting to me. Jesus used his physical body to interact with God. It said that he looked towards heaven and he prayed. And I thought about this. I don't, I, there's maybe a few times I've done that, but not, not regularly. And, and what was it? I mean, Jesus was God, but, you know, he was separate at this point in time because he incarnated. And so looking up to heaven, he was, he was looking up to God, and I had this, I had this picture in my head of when we pray. You know, um, my son just walked in. Hi, Cormac. I love you. And I embarrassed you by saying that, but I don't care. Um, he's like 18 years old now, going off to Central to study anthropology. He's taller than I am. All these things. But there was a time when he was four, like he was Annie's age, when Cormac was four. And if I was talking to him, he would be looking up at me because I was so much bigger than he was. And I remember him lifting his hands for me to pick him up. And as Jesus was praying and he was looking up to heaven, I had this picture in my head of us, like kids, lifting our hands up to God as we pray. Like, Father, hold us. Take us, embrace us, let us be your kids again. Let us be sons and daughters and looking up towards heaven and just, I don't know, like this one little line in this scripture just like, just pounded me and it had to be the Holy Spirit because it just, I don't know, it just opened up to me this picture of Jesus looking up to heaven. And Jesus is saying, Father, the hour has come. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was coming in the coming weeks. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life. That he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. The Heidelberg Catechism, which is this famous, famous catechism, this famous prayer, it says, this is a section of it, I just pulled this one little section out, but it says this, I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, for all of eternity. We give ourselves, body and soul, 
to following Jesus. This life is not the end. This isn't it. This is but the beginning. We're caterpillars. We're not yet butterflies. But we're with Christ now, today. And I'm going to touch on this a little bit more later. How our eternal life, once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we choose to follow Jesus, our eternal life begins then. For all of you in here who have chosen to follow Jesus, your eternal life has begun now. You've already started living forever. That's such a, like, kind of blew my mind a little bit as I was thinking about it. This identity of ours as being given to Jesus by the Father means everything when it comes to spiritual warfare. There's been a lot of spiritual warfare going on. Not just here at Yakima Vineyard or in Yakima or in the state of Washington or across the nation or across the world. There's, there's been an increase. There's been an uptick in spiritual warfare and people being attacked. Um, I was just trying to help somebody last night who was wrestling with some extreme anxiety and they were spinning out. And, you know, there's been a lot of, I, I this early spring was really wrestling with some pretty deep depression, probably the deepest I've had in my life. Um, you know, there's lot, been lots of different things with lots of us. And spiritual warfare has been going on and has been occurring. But when we can know that Father God gave us into the hands of Jesus, that, that he put us into the hands of Christ, that we are safe in the hands of Jesus and, and our identity, who we are, that the Father God gave us to Jesus, the enemy has no hold over us. Evil cannot win because God put me into the hands of Jesus and I'm safe and I'm okay. And no matter what happens, Jesus has got me. And so when I'm praying, when I'm fighting back against those attacks of the enemy, I can say, you know what? I am a son or daughter of God. I am owned by Jesus. Father God put me into the hands of Christ. And there is no safer place. There is no more solid place for me to stand than knowing I am a child of God. And I'm okay. I can be okay. There's going to be moments where I'm not okay. <laughs> There's going to be some moments where I'm really not okay. <laughs> but I don't have to stay there. Because of my identity in Jesus Christ, I can fight back. John Wimber once said this, I'm just loose change in God's pocket. He can spend me as he pleases. We should all, at any moment, be ready to hear the Holy Spirit and allow God to prompt us to move and to bring his kingdom to bring his kingdom into the now. Because as I said earlier, our eternal life has already begun. We're already in Christ. The Holy Spirit is with us. 
It's speaking to us. We just have to be willing to listen and then be willing to act when he wants to spend us. Moving on into verse 3 through 5. Starts off like this. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, Jesus continues to pray, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. There is a whole bunch of theology here in these two verses. And I can't even get into all of it, even though I'm just doing a few verses this morning. But a couple things that stood out to me. Jesus said, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Christ here is asserting his divinity, the fact that he is God. He's like, I had the same glory that you had, Father, at one time, but I chose to set all of that aside so that I might bring the kingdom here now, today. But Lord, this isn't forever. I will be glorified yet again, and I will be with you. And I was thinking how sometimes, not that we're, we're, we do our best to be like Jesus, but like Jesus, his mortality, his flesh, was for a time. And he had that eternal perspective that it wasn't forever. And can we learn to live with that same perspective? Jesus said you will have times of trouble. Jesus said there will be sorrow. Jesus said that people will turn against you. Jesus said that there will be pain and hurt. And he experienced all of those same things himself. But he knew it wasn't forever. Yet the glory that we will be going to is. And he knew the glory he was going to be going to was. He said, now this is eternal life. As I mentioned before, it's just not some future inheritance, but it's a present possession. Because of our relationship with the Father through the Son, all of us who have accepted Jesus as God currently now, today, in this very moment, on February, I think it's the 7th, we can have hope. Right now, in this moment, have hope. Can we learn to live as a people of hope? Can we learn to live as a people with an eternal perspective? Can we truly own our sonship and our daughtership? And believe the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I brought you glory. The work that you gave me. Christ's mission was not self-centered. It wasn't all about him. It wasn't just about Jesus. He pointed us to the Father over and over and over. He was serving the Father. He did the will of the Father. He said this all throughout his life. 
His constant purpose was to bring glory to God. And if being a Christian means to live in the same manner of Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, are we doing the same thing? Is our purpose to bring glory to God? Is our purpose to be focused on other? Can we not be self-centered or just about us and my needs and my wants and my desires and my preferences? Can I instead set all of that aside to bring God's kingdom to bear, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ that you too can be a son or a daughter of God and know eternal life? Guys, that's so important. There is no greater thing we can do with the years we've been given than to walk out bringing God's kingdom and pointing people to Jesus and pointing people to God. That's what we need to be about as an individual, as a church, as a people, as a community. Can we bring God's love to bear on a broken world that so badly needs it. Continuing on in John 17, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. Jesus said, I have revealed you as he's talking to God. And so he was looking to heaven. I have revealed you to those you gave me out of the world. Are there people God has put in your life, whether they be family, whether they be friends, whether they be coworkers, whether they be the stranger in the grocery store or on the street? whom God has given you and has put into your care? And are you bringing Jesus to bear? Are you bringing God's kingdom now, today, with you as you interact with them? You should be. You can. We just have to choose to do it. The word you here in the original Hebrew, was literally translated as, I have revealed your name. In the Old Testament, Moses announced God's name through Exodus. More importantly, when God revealed his name, he revealed his characters, characteristics excuse me, and his attributes. The sanctifying of God's name was one of the most fundamental principles of Jewish ethics. Most Judeans and Galileans probably were already praying the Kaddish. In the Kaddish, it included a prayer for this future time in which God would sanctify his name throughout the earth. And we see this reflected as Paul talks about Jesus, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up throughout all the earth. There's power in the name of Jesus. My friend Chad was recently reading the book Dune, and before he started reading it, we talked about it a little bit. And in Dune, the main character is this guy named Muad'Dib. And his name, Muad'Dib, actually like had power. He could like 
knock things over. This is science fiction, so, you know. Um, but his name actually, like, had power to, like, knock things over and blow stuff up and all these different things. Anyway, his name was Muhadib. But this, this idea of names and the importance of names runs throughout Scripture. What's one of the very first things people did as humans? They started naming things. Pew, kitty, tree. You know, they, just, they started naming all the animals and stuff, and stuff like that. And they started coming up with names for things. So names were important. God's name is important. In Scripture, we see that names often had a prophetic meaning. And in biblical times, parents named their children with meaning in mind. And also throughout Scripture, when people would encounter Jesus, many times their name would get changed, right? We think about Paul on the road to Damascus. He wasn't named Paul at that point. God changes our name. My son Cormac being named Cormac was just no accident. There was a lot of thought that went into it. There was a lot of discussion. He was named his name with a lot of intent. I had a lot of purpose. Chris and I dialogued back and forth. We had this deal. If it was a boy, I got to name him. If it was a girl, she got to name him. And I chose Cormac with intent because of, uh, there was a man named Cormac McArt and his history. He was a bishop in early Ireland. He was also a chief, a high king of Ireland. So he, he was both a king and a follower of God. He had both spiritual and earthly authority and power. And so I chose my son, his name Cormac, because of that. Isaiah 56.5 says this. Now this is in Isaiah, long before Jesus. To them I will give in my house, and within my walls a memorial, and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Later in Scripture, we see where it says that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That it is an everlasting name. That it is forever. That we are forever, once we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are forever a son or a daughter of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Can we hold on to that hope? C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain asked, what can be more a man's own than this new name, which even in eternity remains a secret between God and him? What shall we take this secrecy to mean? Surely that each of the redeemed shall forever know and praise one aspect of the divine beauty better than any other creature can. Why else were individuals created but that God, loving all infinitely, should love each differently? If you've ever had pets... We had a dog fairly just a couple years ago named Jaker. He passed. We have a new dog named Odin. We love them both. They were different. 
They have their own personalities and ways of being and ways of functioning. But we love them both. And I kind of think a little bit of God and how he looks at us. He loves each and every one of us, specifically and individually. And your name is special to him. It says that he knows every hair on our head. He loves us both communally and individually. Because it says he loves all men. But he also loves you. He loves you specifically. That your name is important to him. And is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. John 17, 8, finishing these, this chapter says this, or the scripture says this. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. There's three things about the disciples that are mentioned. One, they accepted the teaching. They accepted the teaching of Jesus, unlike the Pharisees and others who heard it and did not receive it. I'm going to pause for a moment. Can you imagine, after you've died, being someone who was a Pharisee, a teacher of Scripture, a teacher of the law, and standing before Jesus, and you literally stood physically in front of Jesus and listened to him tell you the truth of the Father and of the kingdom, and you come to find that you rejected that. Can you imagine the sudden realization that would hit you in that moment. Let us not ignore the words of Jesus. Let us not ignore the teachings of Jesus that we have through Scripture. Let us not ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our hearts and in our minds. Let's not be like the Pharisees where we ignore Jesus when he's right in front of us. Number two, they knew with certainty Jesus' divine origin. They believed he was God. Acceptance of that revelation led them further into truth, that when Jesus spoke, there was a deeper truth. And finally, they believed. They didn't just accept it here, they accepted it here. It wasn't just, yeah, Jesus was God. Or the Bible's full of a bunch of really good principles to live by. It's nothing more than a nice philosophy or a roadmap to how to live. It has to be so much more. It has to be God-breathed. It has to be the Holy Spirit opening up in our prayer, in reading Scripture, in our worship, in every aspect of our being, when I'm at work, interacting with kids, can the Holy Spirit be there with me, showing me how to, how to help them and how to show them God's love? There's no sinner's prayer in Scripture. There's no like, okay, here's the prayer you pray to be saved. I've looked I've actually looked a couple times because I said this before and then someone challenged me on it. So I looked again. 
There, there's no like Jesus says, here's how to pray to be saved. It's just not in there. Different people came to Jesus in different ways and in different places. And they were different people. Who he says he is and what Jesus said in these scriptures are what are required for us to be accepted by the Father. In doing those things, we become sons and daughters. I'm going to jump ahead a few chapters, but I'm going to do it in Luke so I don't spoil John. Um, Luke 23, 39 through 43 says this. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. He said, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. He didn't live a Christian life. Well, maybe he did for about an hour or so before he died. He was never baptized, never took communion. Other than him speaking directly to God, as in Jesus, we don't know that he ever prayed. I don't think he ever attended a worship till you drop. He was probably never part of a men's Bible study. All these things, right? And all those things are good, so don't hear me dismissing those because I'm absolutely 100% not. But what I'm saying is that is not our path to salvation. He believed in Jesus, and Jesus accepted him as one of his. My encouragement to anyone listening this morning is this. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. And if you do not know Jesus, if you've never like, really thought about the divinity of Christ and all that Jesus came to do, and the salvation that as we're reading about on the cross that you have available to you, that you can have a new name, that you can be a son or a daughter of God. My encouragement to you this morning is this. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if you've never said, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, you were innocent. I'm not. Lord, would you forgive me of my sin? Jesus, I accept your grace. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your love. Would you take me as one of your kids? And you can begin your eternal life that I've been talking about this morning, now, today, in this moment. And you can have hope for the rest of your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you for accepting me. Lord, the Father put me in your hands, and you accepted me, God. 
just as it said in the scripture. Lord Jesus, I ask, would you forgive me? Forgive me, God. Lord, forgive me of all my stupidity. Forgive me of all my sin. Forgive me of all the ways that I put myself first and others last. Lord, forgive me for when I don't put you first and I put myself and my needs and my wants first. Jesus, I accept you as God. Jesus, I accept that you were sent from the Father and that you were part of the Father and that divinity flowed through your veins the same way blood flowed through your veins. And I accept that, Jesus. And Lord, I can't ever thank you enough for giving me a new name, for giving me a name that lives in the Lamb's book of life, for a name that lives on God's record, that my name is on God's record, and it will be there forever. Thank you for that, Lord. Lord, I accept Jesus. I accept the grace and the mercy and the love that you gave me on the cross, Jesus, both now and forevermore, God. And Jesus, I thank you, and I give you praise, and I give you honor, and I give you glory, God. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, my, my friends, Shauna and Chad, are going to go into a bit more worship. But as we're heading into that, there, um, I know there's at least someone, maybe a couple, who you really wrestle with accepting God's forgiveness. But it seems like whenever you see yourself, it's just, you know, you... You just see the bad things. And I want you to hear very clearly the next words I'm going to say. You are forgiven. That when we ask Jesus for forgiveness, that forgiveness is extended. He is never stingy with his forgiveness when it's been asked for with a, with a pure heart, when it's been asked for with sincerity. He will never be stingy with that. He will never withhold his forgiveness. He's not like us humans where we screw up all the time. Or people ask us for forgiveness and then we say yes and we don't really mean it. Jesus isn't like that. And he proved it on the cross. He said that there's no greater gift than a man could lay down his life for his brother. Which is what Jesus did for us. All you have to do is say yes. So say yes. If that was you, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. we continue in worship, please feel free to stand up if you want. Stand up in unity as we corporately worship God. For the things we've done, Lord. 
left undone For the ways we've wandered from your heart Forgive us, we pray Forgive us, we pray Let's sing that again for the things we've done and left undone. For the ways we've wandered from your heart. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us, we pray. For the idols we put on your throne, for the loves we choose above your own, forgive us, we pray. Forgive us, we Christ, I 
gosh, I just want to remind us that as Dusty was speaking that and as we're praying that out, us asking forgiveness, that's for us. That's what we need. Christ has already forgiven us. Christ died on the cross and received all of our sins already. If you are struggling forgiving yourself, I want you to picture, I want you to remind yourself of what Jesus went through. to forgive us. And that was many, many, many years ago. He has already forgiven you. You are forgiven. Do not, I'm sorry if this is an insult, but do not cheapen what he's done already for you. Receive his forgiveness. Receive it. Receive it today. Lord of mercy, Christ of mercy, Lord of mercy on us, on us, Lord of mercy, Oh, 
Trump you. As we were praying and or as we were singing, I didn't even realize how this played on what Dusty was speaking about. And as we started to sing, as we started to go into the space, this song, this last song, and after I just shared about Christ on the cross and that we are already forgiven, I was just reminded of what happened when Christ died when Christ drew his last breath the curtains that surrounded the temple that were to keep the common people out of the center which is where God was where, where he resided that curtain was torn from top to bottom torn completely to open us to his glory what Christ did that day was for our forgiveness and for us to be able to enter back into full relationship with him to not have to go through anybody or anything else aside from him we could come face to face with our maker one of the other things christ's death on the cross promised us was for healing and i felt like we were supposed to pray for healing this morning um here's how we're gonna do it um if you need prayer for healing for something uh, what I'd like you to do is, like, for these front pews, just kind of each person take a corner of it, and we'll just kind of backfill if needed. Uh, so if, you need, if you're somebody here this morning and you have something physically going on, I felt like we were supposed to pray for physical healing. So if you have something going on physically, I'd like to pray for you this morning. So is there anybody here that needs prayer for healing or something physical? could be wrong too that happens anybody anything physical for physical healing no nope. no okay yes did i miss somebody you okay god you know me i'm safe usually maybe not safe but i am good that's a narnia quote by the way anyway. uh, okay so we'll pray for you if there's anybody else don't worry about it. If you haven't missed your chance, just come up and fill a spot, and we're going to pray for you. Dave, can I have you come help pray? And Bob, if you wouldn't mind. Cool. Okay. 
Uh, you guys can just do your thing if you want, or be done. Um, Ryan, you can probably, yeah, okay, cool.
Be with you.